Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The scars of the war in Ukraine run deep. But the devastation of the country's precious ecosystems may take the longest to heal. People in Power documents the environmental impacts of the fighting and follows Ukrainian war crimes investigators as they collect evidence of what they describe as ecocide. Ukraine, ground zero on Al Jazeera. Let's get going with your weather update. We'll kick this one off in the Middle East. And with this breeze off the eastern Mediterranean, it's keeping temperatures to pretty well where they should be for this time of the year. Winds are shifting around a bit through the Gulf, so that means it will not be as humid for us here in Doha and will max out at 44 degrees. Now, for Central Asia, temperatures, okay, pretty well where we'd expect for this time of the year. But if we look over the Caspian Sea for Baku, you're running about five above average with a daytime high of 35 degrees. Still keeping that breeze through the Bosphorus, so another windy day in Istanbul at 28 degrees. Temperatures are continuing to go down in Ankara, and they will do so right into next week. So relief is coming. Intense bouts of rain from the Gambia, Senegal, right through to Sierra Leone. Darker the blue and the yellow, the more intense that rain is falling. And then we've got this cluster of storms from Chad right through into Cameroon and for that eastern side of Nigeria on Saturday. Meantime, as we look at southern Africa, we've got winds coming from both directions here. So that's going to produce a few showers for South Africa's eastern Cape province, KwaZulu-Natal. Showers and maybe even some snow for Lesotho. And it looks like a mostly cloudy Cloudy day in Durban with a high of 21 degrees. See you soon. The Chaco region of Paraguay, one of South America's toughest. We follow two men who seem to thrive on his challenges. A veteran truck driver who answers every call, whatever the weather, to provide for his growing family and a cowboy who enjoys his rough, lonely life. Risking it all, Paraguay, on Al Jazeera. And welcome to The Baby Doctor with me, Bernice Abubeidulansa. I'm so excited to welcome you to this program because it's been created to meet the needs of your child and your family. But guess what? Even with the advancement of science, nobody can create a child without a man 
and a woman. And that's why it's important that these two people are in good condition because it contributes to that child's well-being. So for our very first episode of The Baby Doctor, we've decided to focus on the two people who make it possible for babies to be born. I'll be back to tell you who my guest is right here on The Baby Doctor. much for staying on the baby doctor with me Bernice Abubedulansa. Today I've got with me Dr. Paddy Ayete. I'm sure you may have heard his name. He's well known. He's, he's on radio because he knows his stuff and right here on this show those are the people we bring you to give you the best of advice, the best of knowledge on every issue we'll be discussing. Like I said today, we're looking at what happens before conception. The focus is on the man and the woman and the conditions their body must be in to create the healthy babies that we all want. Dr. Paddy Ayete is an obstetrician gynecologist at Elimas Health. Welcome, Doc. It's good to have you. Thank you. Right. Right. So you have been working for Almost what two decades? Two decades, almost two decades. Looking, um, how many? Do you know the number of babies no, you've helped? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. So. But roughly, an estimation. Oh, I really can't. It should be in the hundreds. You stop counting after a certain age. You just stop counting mm -hmm. because it's like, and then uh, in our practice, there are other areas that may, you know, appeal to you. So sometimes you spend more time doing other things than just. Um, yes, yeah, babies and baby work. I know. However, the, I can't say the number. I mm. really can't. I can't even guess. What is the most exciting part of your job for you? When it comes to obstetrics and babies, it is successful delivery. The mother has had her baby, and you ask, she, she's happy, she feels it is worth it. It's been a long journey because all the midnight calls and emergencies and all the running around just to get to where we've gotten to that day. And then she, she says thank you. She says thank you. And you can see how fulfilled she is. That yes, me to have a mother song. Yeah, I know. I it, know that it, feeling because I've experienced yeah, it. it. It's really nice. And then you ask her, oh, how's your experience, the delivery? Oh, it wasn't as painful as I thought. The pain was actually not, not so bad. Um, it was quicker than I thought. So, you know, she generally has had a good experience for her for her delivery, be it cesarean section or vagina delivery, and has her baby, and, you know, 
um, you know, it's, it's just nice. But Doc, I've always wondered how you manage it because women going to labor at all times. In fact, I think it's one of the most unpredictable things because you can have a rough estimation. Oh, you know, even your due date, you don't say for a fact unless you opt for a CS or something like that. But how do you manage it? Getting calls at odd hours, you may just get home and receive a call. How do you live your life like that? I can't do that. <laughs> it, it is quite, it's, it's quite challenging. Mm. But um, when I finished school, became a doctor, and then started doing house job, and then in the early part of my residency, I worked for 36 hours straight every five days. Because I was on call every five days, and so you would work for 24 hours straight, and then, if you're lucky, you get an hour sleep. Some days you don't get an hour sleep. Then when you finish, you go in the morning, present your cases, get criticized for all the work that you did the day before and didn't do right. Then go to the ward, look after all your patients, and then if you're the one on cover, you stay till 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. when the, the, the new team would, would cover for night. So the end result was that we tended to work for mm -hmm. long hours. So we got used to managing with inadequate sleep, inadequate equipment, inadequate, you know, everything. Um, but as you grow older or as you rise up, there are other people who would be, have more of that burden. Mm -hmm. However, at any point in time, you can get called that your services are, are needed. I have called my bosses when I was in, as a resident at 2 a.m., drive to their house, bang on their door, inform them that there's this emergency, turn around and drive back to the hospital and go into theater and start the operation before they get there to come and continue. It, it, it happens. But we, are in, we, are, we have a vested interest in ensuring that this nine-month journey concludes well. Right. And our satisfaction is in you have gotten your baby. You can insult me afterwards. I don't care. <laughs> You've gotten your baby. You are alive. Babies are alive. It's worth it. Right. It's well, worth it. We'll be delving into the issue shortly, but I just need you to appreciate the work that Doc does and why he, he is the best person to be on our show today telling you about what is most important when it comes to making babies. Why did you choose gynecology? Oh, <laughs> um, okay. So there's an the answer that I'll tell you in private. <laughs> okay, okay. But one of the things I really liked about it, the two main things I liked about it is that you get to practice medicine. You look after diabetes, hypertension, you know, those kinds of conditions, hormonal problems. And you get to practice surgery. You deliver babies, you take out fibroids. So it was the, one of the few um, specialties where you could practice both medicine and surgery in the same specialty. Otherwise, uh, my brother's a physician specialist. He just does physician work, which is the medical aspect of work. Somebody else is a surgeon. He mainly does surgeries, but he doesn't do look after those kinds of things. I get the best of both worlds. So that's my, like one of the, my, my biggest, uh, what made it the attraction to that area. The other part is that it is the part of medicine too that your patients rarely die. Okay. Rarely die. And the result is that your outcomes most of the time are good. I couldn't do cancer work. That knowing the fact that you're going to lose your patients, it's so depressing. If, and I can't handle it. So it's a, a part that just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. So those who do cancer work, I really... Um, I doff my hat to them. It's, it's very... They may think my work is hard. I think their work is hard. I think it's just what everybody is cut for and yeah. what they um, feel called to do, right? Yes. It's more of a, more of a medicine, calling medicine, for you. ONG in particular is a calling mm. because you work for people who essentially may not have much money. 
it's at the beginning of their life, um, of their economic life, let's put it that way, um, whether the person can pay or not, you will still go and deliver that baby. And half the time when they can't pay, you're like, just go, just go. You know. it's, so it's, the, the satisfaction is in achieving the objective rather than if you get paid for it, yeah, we are grateful. But mm. sometimes you just have to do the work even though you're not, you know you're not going to get paid for it. Right, Doc, let's, let's delve into our topic mm -hmm. for today, preconception and all you need to know about it. Let's start off on this note, looking at the male and the female mm -hmm. and the beauty behind making babies. Mm -hmm. What at all is it about human beings that makes it possible for us to procreate? Well, <clears throat> male and female, he made them. And as a result of that, 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 we need, we, that is the requirement to make a new child. You need a, 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 a baby producing gametes from a, a female and one from the male. And the two would combine. So in chromosomes, we we'll say this one brings 23. So we all have 46. But the sperm has 23 and the egg has 23. So the woman produces the egg and the man produces the sperm. And the two of them combine 23, 23 to become 46, a complete, a complete being. And that is how we are all, we are, we are all formed. Um, and even in that process, occasionally things, things go wrong because you may have an egg that has a problem or a sperm that has a problem, and the result is something that there's not 46, but 47, or, okay. you know, funny the things like that, or, or, or 45, you know, and all those cause, you know, cause problems. But essentially, that is how we all start. Mm. And then multiplication occurs. And every day, it multiplies. So from the two becoming one, and the one become two, and the two become four, and the four become eight, and it grows that way exponentially mm. until a baby is formed. Interesting. I mean, hearing the, the basic man and woman, obviously we know not every man and woman can make a child. Mm -hmm. what, what, what is it exactly that makes it difficult for people to conceive? Um, okay, so generally, under most circumstances, we say that half the time, the, the, the reason why they're not having a baby is a problem with a man. And half the time is with a woman. It's approximately 40%, 40%. Then 10%, both of them have problems. Another 10%, we don't know why. So for the woman, which is what I tend to work with more often, the problems arise either from the, the egg, being, being, being faulty or insufficient, and that's one thing we really need to talk about. The egg has to pass through the tube. The tube needs to be open for the egg to pass through and meet the sperm and you know, come into the womb. And the womb itself needs to be in good health. There shouldn't be any masses inside or polyps or fibroids or IUDs or family planning things that are stuck inside. Because all those things can cause, prevent a pregnancy uh, um, from happening. With one of the biggest problems that I face is the lack of understanding that women have or the understanding that women don't have. Recognizing the fact that your eggs are born with you and are as old as you and every day you are losing thousands of eggs. So the general thing is you are born with a certain number of eggs but every day you are losing eggs. Are we born with the same number of eggs? You are born approximately the same number of eggs. Okay. But what happens is that um, once you get to the age of puberty and you start releasing eggs, not, the egg that you release 
is gone. But several eggs in that cohort too die with it. So the end result is that by the time you hit 35, your number of eggs that you have that are still viable fall significantly. Okay. And by the time you hit 40, it falls precipitously. Okay. So the assumption that I can always have a child. No, you can always be anything you want, but you cannot always have a child of your own, with your own genes. Okay. There's a time limit. And I encourage cli my clients that be purposeful about having children. Because if not, the time will come where you will no longer have that option um, 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 anymore because your eggs are finished. And I've met people at 29 who have no eggs. I had a patient who was 29 years and she was menopausal. She had gotten into premature ovarian failure. Thankfully, she had a child at 22. I've met people at 32 who have premature ovarian failure. And your youngest I have seen is 20. Doc, what, no eggs. what exactly leads to... Because you've, you've, you've given us the natural age limits where we begin to lose eggs and lose mm. them significantly. But what other factors cause people to go into early menopause? Some people's zone is just genetics. Okay. It's just genetics, things that they, they inherited mm. from their... So these are the kind of people that start asking questions. Oh, when did your mother go into menopause? When did your aunties go into menopause? Uh, when did your elder sister... And you start asking those questions, and you may discover that it's a familiar trend. Occasionally, like a client I have right now, she's just the only one at the age of 40, and she's already gone into, into, into menopause. The figures are, there are tests, blood tests that we see, and the figures are, 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 are way high. Um, everybody has their own individual timetable. So if you see somebody who had a child at 50, yeah. every, for everybody who had a child at 50, there's another person who went to menopause, maybe prematurely. Right. So it, you don't look at that and assume that that is your portion. It, 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 yeah. it, it, it cannot be the same for every woman. No, I think that's a very important point because sometimes we, we tend to, as women, get inspired by the stories of other women. It is not wrong, but we are learning today from Doc, and I appreciate that you mentioned mm. that, that we are different and we, we behave differently. So can I just walk into the hospital and say, for example, okay, I have a child now. I don't think I'm ready for another child. I want to wait another five or six years, but by then I'll be at this age. Is there a way medically you can tell me Okay, based on the trend we are seeing, this is the number of eggs you're losing. You can't wait till then. I mean, I'm just yes, thinking yes, yes, there's yes. a way you can yes, do that. interesting question, but yes, you, you can. So there are tests that we can do that tells uh, you, gives an idea as to how many eggs you have left. You understand? And it's a, it's a, there's, a, there's a hormone that is secreted by the baby eggs. So we measure the hormone that is secreted by the baby eggs, and that tells us, oh, you have a good number of baby eggs left, or you don't have a good number of baby eggs. Your five-year plan... Would not, would not work. And then the other test that we can do at the beginning of the cycle that tells us, gives us an idea, so is she close to menopause? Is she quite far away from menopause? If your figures are very good, you may tell you, oh, you've got quite a bit of time. So there are clients that have come, you do the assessment and tell them, oh, we have a two-year plan, we want to go to school and come, go to school and come. You should be fine. Should be fine. There are other clients that would come, you tell them that, no, it's not a good idea. I think we need to work on this this year because by the time you go and come, your options may not be, be as good. So these are all people, um, you know, different scenarios for, for, for different people. But we all made a little bit differently because based on our genetics and one, what rule applies to one does not apply to, to, to another. 
it is a bit distressing when you're telling somebody that I think your numbers are not good, prioritize this now, and then she thinks she wants to go and do some other things first, not realizing the fact that there's no plan B for what you are, yeah. what you are deferring. Your chances later on would be pretty poor. Mm. So for those of you who are you know, planning to space your children. This is vital information for you. If you don't know what your status is, just walk into any hospital. You can go to Doc at LMS Health, and he'll gladly help you uh, so that you can plan, like he says, purposefully. Now, Doc, you've, you've spoken about the eggs, mm -hmm. but what are the other things that will make it difficult for a woman to okay, so if, if the woman, So the egg is produced, then the egg must put, swim through the tube. And the tube has got hair inside, what you call the fallopian tube. The hair's job is to pull the egg along. So that the egg will be bouncing on the hair and just bouncing and bouncing and coming closer and closer to enter into where the, the, the womb itself. The hair over there can get damaged by infections. And if you get a condition that people, we call PID, which is pelvic inflammatory disease, it means you have an infection over there that has spread into the tubes. Now, that, the infection damages the tubes, makes it difficult for the hair to do its work. So your tubes can be, A, blocked by the infection, or if not blocked, the hair inside can be so damaged that the tubes essentially do not work. So the, you have eggs. The eggs will enter the tube. The eggs cannot be carried to the end of the tube because the hair inside the tube is not doing a good job, and so you will not get pregnant. Or even if you do manage to get pregnant inside the tube, the baby cannot be moved into the cavity, so it ends up in an ectopic. So, having, if you're not ready to have a baby, using protection when you're having sex is very, very important. Because it's very painful that you would have sex unprotected, maybe not get pregnant, but get an infection. And then later on, when you are trying to have a baby, because of that incident, you can't have a baby. I was just going to ask what, what causes this pelvic inflammatory disease? It's infection, bacteria. Okay. And bacteria that uh, the, the female canal, it's, it's, I mean, if, it, if the infection is in the vagina, it can enter the, the womb by itself. Mm. Then that infection in the vagina can be carried into the womb by sperm. And it can be carried into the tubes by sperm. So the sperm can actually carry the infection inside, not achieve a pregnancy, but leave an infection there. And then the tube gets damaged, you know, subsequently. So that is part of the reason why when somebody has pelvic inflammatory disease, it must be treated aggressively. We can give you mild antibiotics, the pain would go away. But if you treat it, because of fertility reasons, you have to treat it aggressively so that it goes down as quickly as possible to reduce the inflammatory effect so that the amount of damage to the tube is significantly reduced. So there are so many people who have got blocked tubes, and the blocked tubes are because of prior infections. And as a result of that, we end up having to do an IVF for them because if the highway is blocked, our only option is to go on through the air or under the sea because you can't go by road. Mm. Are there people who are born naturally without the ability to produce eggs or make children or even have the entire system that allows them to carry a child? Yes. Genetic problems, oftentimes. So if you have a problem with your, with your genes, the ability to produce eggs is a problem. Then for some other people, the uterus itself, we haven't gotten to the uterus yet, the uterus itself is formed abnormally. Now the uterus is formed by left half, right half, everybody coming with their tube and their egg. The tubes and the eggs don't join, but the uterus joins. 
So this end is coming, this end is coming, and they join like this. Then the wall in between dissolves and it becomes one tube. That one tube is uterus and cervix and upper vagina. So if there's a, a problem with the joining, so instead of joining like this, it can join like this. Okay. It can be totally separate and be two halves. Okay, some of them, yes, they can try and get possible to get pregnant on one half. Sometimes, too, they have ex very great difficulties in getting pregnant or staying pregnant. Mm -hmm. For most of them, the challenge is that um, staying pregnant. But there are people who have had problems with their ovaries from day one. And when you examine, you discover the fact that they've had this problem and you can't do much about it. Those diseases come with some big, big names, B. <laughs> I like that, big, big names. But here we want to simplify it, easy to understand, easy for you to uh, appreciate what we're talking about so you can make informed decisions. So, Doc, we've got into the fallopian tube where you've highlighted mm. what the issues there could be with regards to making babies. So continue with the journey. Now the uterus. Mm. So egg has gone through the tube successfully and lands in the uterus. Now fertilization usually takes place in the tube, but we'll jump that for now. Now, land in the uterus. The, ut the uterus is, is where the baby sits, what we call the womb. And there's the inner part, which is a cavity. Then there's the muscle that is on it, and then the outer part. The inner part is it can, it's, it's like this most of the time, but it can expand to this. If you put water inside, it expands to look something like this. If there's anything inside there, when a pregnancy lands, the two of them can't stay. Usually the thing inside there is a more permanent thing, so the pregnancy comes out. So if you have a fibroid sitting in that cavity, the fibroid is fixed. You are the outsider coming in. The visitor. The visitor, you will go. If there's a polyp, and a polyp, to describe a polyp is like your tongue in your mouth. So I assume that your mouth is supposed to be just your mouth, no teeth, no tongue. And then you have teeth, you have a tongue inside, floating inside like this and yeah, knocking every pregnancy that comes all over the way. Now, the polyp prevents your pregnancy from, from implanting. The fiber prevents it. And if, I, for example, the patient has an IUD, an IUD's job, that, that's how it prevents pregnancy, essentially, is that it prevents implantation. Then the other things too, but it prevents implantation. I've had a patient who they took out her IUD, but it got broken. So the IUD comes as a T, and when they took off this part and left this. We went inside, hysteroscopically, put a camera through the cervix into the womb, found this, took it out. She had two children, naturally by herself. Okay. Another patient, another thing that could be inside is a fetal bone. Those who do abortions after the baby is like older than, let's say, three months, they, it's essentially they chop up the baby. That is essentially what they do. And pieces can, left be, can be left behind. And sometimes there are pieces of bones left behind. I saw a video of somebody, horrible. I've seen, I've had a patient, when you look at it, it looks like a piece of a broom. Even from the end, it looks like a piece of a broom. And I did a scan for her and pointed out to her that, hey, the reason why you're not getting pregnant is that you have a bone inside. She told me it's not true. She's never had an abortion before. And I'm like, madam, that is a bone. He said it's not true. So she disappeared for one year. After one year, she first said, no doctor has told her that before, so she doesn't believe me. Then she said it's not true. She's never had an abortion before. After one year, she came back and said she's still not getting pregnant. I don't know why she thought she was going to get pregnant, but she's still not getting pregnant. And I said, yeah, it's because of that thing inside there. So she agreed, went to the theater. We took it out. A few months later, she was pregnant. The presence of that mass inside the cavity 
would not allow you to get pregnant. And it can be something as small, a very tiny object. But once it's there, pregnancies don't, don't, don't do well. Especially when it's located at the right place, at the top there. You won't get pregnant. So if there's a polyp, it has to be removed. If there's a fibroid, it has to be removed. Thankfully, we don't always need to cut you. You can go from below, through the cervix, into the uterus, remove the polyp, remove the fibroid, remove whatever IUD, whatever mass is inside. Get out. We don't cut you. You go home the same day, and your problem is solved. A few months later, you get pregnant. We are all happy. Mm -hmm. So even the uterine problems can be solved. The other problem with the uterus, especially for those who have had DNCs done before, is that the walls can stick together. And that is why there's a current recommendation now that we shouldn't do DNCs for people who have got incomplete miscarriages and things of that sort. We should actually go inside with the camera and the telescope and pick the tissue and get out. Because that blind scraping is basically like somebody is putting his hand inside your stomach and looking for something and he's doing this. He'll get some, he'll miss some, and he'll dig his fingers inside places he shouldn't put at the same time. Because it's a blind procedure. Now, we've done that for years. Mm -hmm. But if you're on the other side where you have to repair the damage caused by that procedure, then you start, getting, you start worrying that this thing is causing a bit too much trouble. I, I, I do my best never to do an evacuation for a patient because I have to fix the damages caused by evacuations by other settings, and mm -hmm. it's too much trouble. Because unfortunately, some people, the damage is so extensive, they will never get pregnant. So all these, uh, and if, it, if, the, if, if the damage is extensive, you may have no periods at all. And that's what they call an Asherman syndrome. So if they told you have an Asherman syndrome, that is where uh, it, it came from. So all these are things that affect just the endometrium, which can make it difficult for you to get uh, pregnant. And if you're older, the endometrium must be a certain thickness. And the older you get, the more difficult it is to get to that level of thickness. And it has been found that you need to be that thick before when a pregnancy sits on it, it would stay. It's almost like the princess in the pea. It detects the fact that, hey, too thin, hard things under it, I'm not going to stay. Right. Interesting. So beyond the uterus, any other So we thing? spoke about the egg, we spoke about tubes, we spoke about the uterus, and then we jumped to the man. Okay. okay. So for the woman, these are her major issues. For the man, um, of course, about the egg, there are those who don't release eggs for hormonal reasons, PCOS and those things, right. which can be fixed. But they also have problems with ovulating. They don't ovulate every month. So they are still on that side. For the man, we need a certain number of sperm. We need the sperm to have a certain amount of handsomeness and a certain amount of activity. So sperm that when you put them here, they don't move. They are useless. Honestly, they don't do anything. Sperm that move, must, they must move forward with progress and activity and not be moving side to side. Like those sperms that are unfocused, they are also not helpful. But the target is ahead. Mm. All this side-side action, it doesn't give you anything. So that is another, uh, another challenge. So even with the motion of the sperm, they must move, and they must move forward with purpose. So that's what we call um, active forward linear progression. It must be moving in a particular direction. The sperm must be of a particular quantity. Because we found a quantity that we say, if you have that quantity of sperm, and we look at the number of that are active and the number that are handsome, the end result gives us a certain number of sperm that we know we need to fertilize. Now, getting pregnant is actually one sperm yes. and one egg. Yes. But there's a reason why a man produces 20 million sperm in ejaculates. 
40 million, or ask some guy that I know, 400 million. Wow. Per meal. You can't, you can't tell, you won't finish. 400 million sperm, one human being. And that is the challenge. For, but for him, can you imagine somebody with that sperm count and he comes and says he's trying to get pregnant and they are not succeeding? And that is a problem, a problem for them. Thankfully, he had a child. Some other people, the sperm don't look normal. Mm. So the sometimes the sperm has got two tails, two heads, an abnormal midpiece, you know, ab- swollen heads. All those are abnormal sperms that if they fertilize an egg will result in an abnormal, abnormal baby. Some people have got too many of those. Some people have got sperm that the DNA of the sperm itself is damaged. And the result is that the sperm is not able to do its work well. And then there are some sperm that can't enter the egg. Uh, like we've seen, they have POP. <sighs> so they reach the egg and they are not able to convince the egg to open the door for them to enter. Mm-hmm. So no matter what you do to the sperm, they can't enter. Those are the sperm that you can take and inject them inside when you are doing IVF. Okay. So there's a process by going there. So there are various things we can test with the sperm. And then based on the outcome that we get, we know that this is the problem or that's the problem. And then we can intervene. Mm. So whilst having a baby looks like, oh, just have sex and have a baby, all these things have to happen in the background for the sperm to successfully meet the egg. Then we have to look at the environment inside the woman. And if the environment is poor, um, um, abnormal hormones is a problem. Um, um, she has medical conditions that cre- create another em- a poor environment is a problem. All those things make it difficult for the pregnancy even to implant. Doc, we'll be back to talk about the other 10% that you said you just may not know why conception is not happening mm-hmm. because we live in a very spiritual climate when people have a lot of wonderful ideas. We'll be back to you know, try and deal with all those myths as well as speak um, extensively about the interventions. Thankfully, uh, because of the advancement of science, even if you have certain conditions that make it difficult for you to conceive naturally, you can do so uh, with the help of science. We'll be back to discuss all that. Please don't go anywhere. Welcome to The Baby Doctor with me, Bernice Abubedulansa. We are all about making beautiful babies and helping them grow 
to create happy homes and families. Today, I am here with Dr. Paddy Ayete, and we are talking about preconception, all the important things you need to note and do to create that environment for a healthy baby. We'll continue our conversation. We've had a lot. If you missed anything, you need to catch up because it's been a lot of important information Doc has shared. Obviously, 20 years of experience is not a mean achievement at all. Doc, let's talk about the 10% that science cannot tell why. Because I've heard women share testimonies about how they were looking for a child, and the doctor says, there really isn't anything wrong. We don't know why you're not making a baby. How do you, how do you deal with that? First of all, pregnancy is a probabilities game. So, assuming everybody is perfect, 10 perfect people having sex at the right time, two will get pregnant. That's about 20%. So, that's why we tell you, oh, try for six months or one year before we start giving you treatment. Because we know that eventually it works out for most people. So, a lot of times, yes, we, we try and drill down to find out why and sometimes you can just figure out the why um, so I saw somebody yesterday uh, was it yesterday yeah and their problem was that they tended to have sex they tended to start having sex on the day after ovulation so if you look at their timetable this is when they, they if you calculate the day they had sex it tended to be the day after ovulation was over so they are consistently missing the date. Now, until you discover that, it is an unexplained mm -hmm. um, cause. So for a lot of times, there's a reason. We just haven't figured out what the reason is. And the assumption that, oh, ABC, this works most of the time, so it will work for everybody. It, it doesn't necessarily you know, you know, work that way. So then there are those that... You are, you are asking about the spiritual ones. <laughs> there are those that... And mm. I'll give you an example of the spiritual, a spiritual mm. one. There are those that every time it reaches ovulation, they have a quarrel. Mm. I can't use science to explain that one. They are fine in their house. Okay. They 12, 13, 14, big fights. But couldn't it be because of the woman's hormones? Because, you know, could it be that when she just gets into the point of ovulation... The woman knows she's... She, she is the one who is trying... Who is very aggressive about having the baby. Okay. She knows. Okay. That this is not a time to pick fights. Okay. <laughs> I need something from this man. <laughs> Big fights. Mm. And then after ovulation ends, they make peace. They make peace. And when you ask them, what were you fighting? I've had an occasion to ask them, what were you fighting about? Both of them said they couldn't remember. Okay, now that's weird. Both of them said, what is it about? Because we just knew we were fighting that week. Now, if you start fighting that week consistently, I can't use science to explain that fight. I can't use medicine and fertilization to explain why UDIs didn't have sex at that time. But there's something in your house <laughs> that, that is you ensuring that <laughs> you're you not meeting mm. at the time you should meet. Mm. So they can have sex throughout the month, all the other times, without a fight. But the moment it approaches ovulation, a quarrel will happen. A quarrel that is so insignificant, they don't even remember what they were quarreling about later on. But it's, it's so important enough to stop time. them from hey, doing what they need, need to, to do. do. Interesting. Yeah. I had a friend who, the time, it was time for him to 
do the thing, we've done the scan, we've checked the thing, oh, the egg is good. So in two days to be ready. So he told me he's going to Kumasi to see somebody about some meeting in the house. I'm like, oh, buddy, action time. So it's very important that he goes. He went. Do you find that um, sometimes it's just sometimes it's just a mindset problem. You know, people may, may just not be relaxed enough. So there's a lot of apprehension because, I mean, usually people don't, are not told, go and do this to make a baby. But once you're told, it becomes more like a chore. I, 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 remember, I remember watching a movie and the, and the guy was like, I don't like, it's almost like I'm hearing the doctor tell me to do it. I don't want it that way. I want to do it when I want to do it, how I want to do it. So it's almost like it's a chore for them. It's more of an instruction. It's, it's not a nice experience for them because it's, it's a chore, basically. That, that is easily solved. Very easily solved. It's in the hands of the woman. Don't tell your husband. Do not tell him that this Wednesday is ovulation. Don't tell him. If you know Wednesday is ovulation, from Friday, start being nice, nice to him. <laughs> eh? Then on Monday, then you go and collect one B, coolly and put it down, knowing that Wednesday is target. Then Tuesday, you are extra nice to him, but you don't do anything. Then Wednesday, no, then you make sure that you get your way. So just in case a meeting crosses you on Wednesday, you had your Monday. And sperm can live for five days inside the, right. inside the, the, the uterus. Mm. So you can, if you have your Monday, there will be sperm there on Wednesday. If you have your Wednesday, there will be sperm there on Wednesday. If you have um, Sunday and Tuesday, there will be sperm there on Wednesday. Just don't tell him. No man likes performing on command. They are like, hey, Bessie, I need sperm from you. Come and produce the sperm. Like he said, he's thinking about the doctor. It's very... <laughs> Uncomfortable. He, he, he has to perform on command. It's, it's not the kind of thing you can perform on command. Mm. So it, it is disturbing and distressing. But if you just don't let him know that this is the time and you are nice all the time, you know what to do. Mm. Right. Doc, before we go into the interventions for people who may have tried and tried all the remedies and gone through all the processes naturally and, and, and not be able to conceive, there's, there's something that um, excites my curiosity mm -hmm. and it has to do with how I have observed a lot of young girls taking pills to prevent pregnancies. The wrong ones. Okay. So you walk into a pharmacy and you see a young girl and this is a personal experience. I had gone in there to buy some medication and the young, very young girl walks in and says, give me this particular brand, a very common one of um, a, a, an emergency contraceptive. Mm -hmm. Then I asked the pharmacist when the lady left, do you know that there is a way to take this thing and you can't abuse it every time because it's there? Do you educate these young girls when they come? My question to you, Doc, is are there repercussions or for young people at this time who may think I want to have all the fun and not get pregnant and not even know how to properly administer these medications? Is there a replication in the future? Yes, there is. First of all, the fact that she's using emergency contraception means she's not using a condom. Yes. If she's not using a condom, she's exposed to HIV, hepatitis, PID, 
And think about it. I, I don't think they realize it. You had sex with this maybe irresponsible gentleman. And he gave you a PID. Then 10 years later, you find your perfect man. And you get married to him. And you can't have children because you forgot to use a condom at that time. And that guy who had that infection proceeds to meet somebody and get her pregnant very quickly before he even gives her a PID and she has children. Or he, or he gets treated along the line and so doesn't give any infection. And he proceeds to have children. And you are paying the price. And he's gone. He's living his life. And left you with this. The number of young people who have got HIV that you come to a clinic, this is that, maybe procedure, antenatal, trying to get pregnant, whatever it is, and we discover that, oh, you have HIV. Now we now have to counsel you, arrange for a clinic for you, all that kind of stuff. It's, 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 it's difficult. And all this could be prevented if you had worn a condom. People are more afraid of pregnancy than they are afraid of dying. So first of all, that's a big headache. Then the second part. Now, emergency contraception is designed for, you use the condom. The condom broke. Most likely, you will get pregnant. Let's see if we can reduce the chance of getting pregnant by a bit. Therefore, we give you the emergency contraception, which is to try and prevent the pregnancy from implanting. It is like driving a car, not using your foot brake, but choosing to use your hand brake for your entire drive. But because you can just go to the pharmacy, pop it, take it, people think, oh, it's okay. Now, of course, it's going to affect your cycle. So your hormones are going to be affected because the normal way your hormones should go, it will not go that way because of the emergency contraceptives. So you are going to have this cycle up, cycle down, cycle up, cycle down, can mess up with your ovulation. And they don't realize it until, you know, years later when there are issues. Then at some point in time, it may come out, if they even remember that they were abusing this medication. The purpose is that your main contraception has failed. Mm. Or, for example, somebody gets raped, and we are trying to reduce the chance of getting pregnant. And that is why we are using it. Its effectiveness is if you take it within a certain time period. And its use is when you are taking it around, when you had sex around the time of ovulation. Unfortunately, some people are taking it even when their period is about to come because they've had sex. Oh, in the puppy. When they actually didn't need to take it because they don't understand how cycles, how cycles work. But it is not helpful. Mm. And um, um, for the young people of now, I'm worried about what will happen 10, 20 years' time when these people are going to start manifesting the consequence of their current lifestyle. Not good. If there's anything you learn today, it should be that even for people who may not be young, but just don't know how well to use this, you may just want to speak to your doctors um, or any health practitioner where you live about the right way to take emergency contraceptives, seeing how they link to your ability to conceive naturally and all. Doc, let's now zoom into medical interventions. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it because um, when you hear stories of how people have used you know, modern technology to have a baby and the joy that you see on their faces when they come to church to dedicate their children or when they're talking about their children, it just, it just shows you the, 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 the 
the precious nature of making a child and, mm -hmm. and the joy it brings is, is like no other. Thanks to science, people who would have been written of maybe a hundred years ago, um, you know, can now be called parents and Mother's. they're excited about it. Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> and they're excited about it. Run us through the available options. Okay. So, if you're having difficulty getting pregnant, you should see a doctor, preferably a fertility specialist. And he shall examine your ability to produce eggs, if your tubes are good, if the uterus cavity is good, and if the sperm is good. Once he's done that, usually it takes about a month because we test you at different times of your period. So you just can't come, come any day and then we run. There are tests that we run first three days. There are tests that we run in the middle of a cycle. There are tests that we run around 21 days after your period, from the day your period started. When we've done all those, we did, we did a full assessment. We'll do scans, we'll do hysteroscopy. Then we have an idea as to what the problem is. Now, let's start from egg problems. Assuming for the majority of egg problems, actually, are not that there are no eggs, but the eggs are not being released. And it's a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome. When we were in school, we thought it was not common. It is common, Papa. It's the commonest hormonal problem in the world. And that is the woman has an inability to release her eggs. Now, it comes with other manifestations. So that's why it's called a syndrome. So now I can look at your face. When I meet you, and I know that you have this problem. I haven't examined you. I haven't spoken to you just by looking at your face. There are other things that we can use to observe and know that this is what your problem is. Today, a woman came to the clinic and said, oh, doctor says I have PCOS. I said, okay, that problem is solved. Now tell us the next one so that we can, we can address it. Because now we've reached the point where we can say, if you have PCOS, we can fix it. Now, it's a problem inside the body. You need to address that problem, fix it. And the moment you fix it, the person can now start ovulating properly. As when they start ovulating properly, you can help them to get pregnant. When they do get pregnant, PCOS people have another problem. The first three months, they tend to lose pregnancies. So you now have to block that one to ensure that they keep their pregnancy. When you succeed with that one, they have another problem again, which is between four to six months, they lose the pregnancies again. There's another reason for that one. So take notes. You have to help them get pregnant, help them ovulate, then help them get pregnant, then solve their problems that make them lose their pregnancies in the first three months, then solve the problem that makes them lose pregnancies between four to six months. Thankfully, the four to six months part is the most difficult. Thankfully, now we can fix that one too. And the result is that you can actually succeed in getting pregnant. Um, there's a story in the newspapers on the media recently about this lady who said she had lost five or, five or nine pregnancies and she had to stay with her legs in the air. She had to be pregnant. When I read the story, I was like, well, I know what this is. I knew exactly what her problem was. And I knew the solution that should have been, should be, been given to her. And once you, if you get used to it, it's my area of specialty. So if you get, if you know, you can actually tell the science. The moment they start, you know what the problem is. And you know where the stumbling block is for you to fix it. It's not always easy getting them pregnant. Because you can correct their hormonal imbalance. But actually getting pregnant, the other factors now come into place. Because all you've done is brought them from a hormonal the negative point to a hormonally positive point. Right. Now they are like everybody else. They now have their 20% chance that we have mm. to work with. But it is possible. So PCOS, you can get them to ovulate. We can get them to ovulate. We can get them to get pregnant. We can get them to stay pregnant until they get, have their baby at nine months. Uh, before the focus was that stitching the womb, there's actually a better way. You don't necessarily need to stitch their womb for them to, to get pregnant and to stay pregnant. So that is for the PCOS people. For those who are old or older or have run out of eggs, 
then the donor egg option exists for them in IVF, which is we do an IVF for you, and we use an, a younger person's egg to combine with your husband's sperm, and we put it inside you. Uh, those options are available in Ghana? Oh, available in Ghana. Or we take, uh, if the sperm too is the one that has a problem, we take a younger person's sperm, combine with the egg, and put it inside you. It's possible. We are an equal opportunity person. We do both sides. So that option, too, is available for those who don't have eggs at all. Um, for those who have a problem with the tube, we generally have to go around the tube. If you think the tube cannot be opened, there's a process by which you can try and open the tube. It doesn't always work as well as it, 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 it should. Sometimes the fastest way to get pregnant is just go around it and go by an IVF and achieve a pregnancy. So that option exists. Then for those who've got problems inside the uterus, adhesions, fibroids, polyps, stuck things, stuck IUCDs, things inside the uterus, we do what you call hysteroscopic surgery. You put a camera inside, they are through the vagina, through the cervix, into the womb. Then we do a whole operation inside there and remove all the fibroids that are in the middle of the womb where the baby sits. If there are polyps, you remove it. If there are adhesions, you cut it and recreate the way the womb is. And then when you finish, after you've removed the fibroid or the polyp and the adhesions, then you come out and the patient goes home the same day. We do it without cutting you at all. And we do it every week. And tomorrow I have plenty to do. So those are the kind of things that um, are available, interventions are available. And thanks to technology, the fact that you have any of these problems is no longer a, you cannot get pregnant. The one that we have challenges with is when the lining is refusing to get thick to put a baby inside. Some people, it's really difficult. You give them medications, they don't respond. That's still a work in progress that we can find a technique that works you know, Even consistently. Even that some can use surrogates. Yes. So, good point. So, for those who the uterus is not, is just not good enough, the best option for them is a surrogate in which you recruit somebody who will carry the pregnancy for you for nine months and give you your baby. And that's also available in Ghana. That's available in Ghana. Everything I've mentioned is available in Ghana. Everything I've mentioned is available in Ghana. PCOS treatment, IVF, freezing embryos, um, donor egg, donor sperm, surrogacy, all available in Ghana. I hope we've given you some hope if you're someone who's looking for a child and has tried all the options and, and can't get your head around it. I'll be back to wrap it all up with Dr. Ayete here, but here are your tidbits for today. Preconception. Plan and take action. Seek professional guidance. Maintain healthy diets. Exercise regularly. Remember, getting early and regular prenatal care improves the chances of a healthy pregnancy. And those were your tidbits for today. It's been a really exciting conversation today. I'm, I'm happy to help you to spread knowledge, and I'm, I've been doing this with Dr. Paddy Ayete. He is with Elemas Health, and they are into everything ops and gynae, one of the best you can find in the country, okay? They are located at airport residential area. You can find them, call the numbers on your screen, pick up the location, pay Doc a visit, and tell him uh, that you saw him on, on the Baby Doctor Show. Who knows? You could get, you know, some... You know what I mean? <laughs> so, Doc, in, in wrapping up this conversation, what would your message be to that person who wants to make a baby or that person who aspires to have a child, basically wrapping up and summarizing what we've discussed today? Um, options are, for the person who is trying to have a child, options are available. Um, 
and all hope is not is 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 not lost. Um, there are, you know, a variety of options. The things that I mentioned um, of the treatments that are available in the country, we offer that service at Elima Self. There are other institutions too that offer uh, that that service. So it's 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 available. Um, you just have to decide as to what you want, and it's our job to find a way to make it happen happen for you. Um, for most people, most people can be helped. Most people can be helped. And if A doesn't work, B can work for you, or C can work for you, or D. So there, it is possible for you to have a child. There's hope. I like that. It's possible. So why not give it a try? Visit LMS Health. It's been really an exciting edition of the Baby Doctor Show with me, Bernice Abubedulan. So let me say thank you to Dr. Paddy Ayete of LMS Health. You can find LMS Health at Airport Residential Area, um, number 10A Volta Street. The numbers to call are rolling on your screen. Pay doctor a visit and tell him you saw him on the Baby Doctor Show. He'll treat you very well. Trust me, I know that. And we have been bringing you the baby doctor from Think Studios here in Accra. Think Studios is a creative agency. Anything you need about creativity, your shows, Think Media will be there to help you. And let me say thank you to Azel Vogue for my beautiful shirt. You can find Azel Vogue in Dan Suman, or you can visit her Instagram page, Azel Vogue, and reach out to her. She's got really beautiful designs for all occasions. Once again, let me say thank you. God willing, next week we are back with another exciting edition focusing on the next step, which is conception. It's a very important discussion you don't want to miss. Thank you once again, and enjoy the rest of your day. This is my long time crush. My cookie dipped in strawberry yogurt. On this scorching hot afternoon on our way back from a long job hunt, we met this good Samaritan who offered us a ride. Six weeks later. 
big night in Chennai, a special wedding reception for her bride and groom. And there she is, my cookie, dipped in someone else's yogurt. Don't be like John, who holds the mula, calls the shots, play game by games, the easiest lottery to play and win. It's four numbers from zero to nine, up to three times daily to become one of our daily lucky winners. Dial star 946 hash to play now. Or you can also play online at www.gameparkgames.com. Game Park is regulated by the National Lottery Authority. For crystal clear and thrilling podcasts and live shows, download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, MyJoy Online, Amazon services like Echo, Amazon Music, and Audible, Stitcher, Atom Online, Overcast, and Pandora. Take note of everything. Sign up for the multimedia digital platforms now to stay updated. Everybody came out, everybody's looking good, displaying their art, beautiful art everywhere. Um, this is my fifth year coming in a row. So I'm here every August for the festival. It's been amazing being with my black people all day, every day. It's been great. It's so fun here. There are a lot of art things to do. So I personally love it. And I love the artworks. I love Chalorate 2022. It's fantastic. This year's experience is, uh, is marvelous. It's amazing. It's a little festival, y'all. You ought to be here. The paintings, the people, the Ghanaians were awesome. Everyone, when you're in Ghana, around the same time, make sure you check it out. It's really happening. We've had news file over the weekend and uh, an interesting part of the conversation. Oh no, we are out of range. Oh, don't worry, Daddy. I have Alexa in my bag. Alex, what? Alexa, open Multimedia Ghana and play Joy FM. Super Hits Radio, Radio. Joy 99.7. Listen to Joy FM. Hits FM, Love FM, live on your Amazon Echo. Listen to your favorite multimedia radio stations live on your Amazon Echo device by saying, Alexa, open Multimedia Ghana, play Joy FM or Hits FM or Love FM. DQ presents... How to fancy up any occasion. Step one, grab the caramel fudge cheesecake blizzard from DQ. Step two, break out your fanciest sweatpants and park yourself in your comfiest chair. Step three, kick back and bask in the luxury of salted caramel, rich fudge, and decadent cheesecake pieces blended in world-famous DQ soft serve. Fancy? Achieved. No formal wear required. DQ. Happy tastes good. Or catch up on your favorite podcast by saying... Alexa, 
play. And then the name of your favorite podcast from Multimedia Ghana. For a list of all podcasts available, say Alexa. Ask Multimedia Ghana to browse programs. And we are back like we never lost signal. Alexa, welcome to Multimedia. Charlie, Malcolm never they stop the blow on a mind. So, Malcolm says shop Fala at any Malcolm shop near you. Enjoy a whopping 20% off this weekend from Friday 18th to Sunday 20th August 2023. It's the Malcolm Fala promo. Terms and conditions apply. Malcolm, where Ghana shops. Our passion is to inform, empower, entertain, and inspire. Join us. Independent, fearless, credible. The first uh, phase of the engagement uh, have, have actually uh, wrapped up here. Uh, at Burma camp and uh, we know that of course the essence of the meeting today is to have all of the military chiefs, all of the chiefs of defense from West African countries uh, converge here to discuss the decision uh, which borders on the deployment of a military uh, troop into the Republic of Niger. The the whole idea is to ensure that there is the reinstatement of President Mohamed Basum and also constitutional order is restored um, to the Republic of Niger. And the background to it is that uh, the Republic of Niger experienced a coup d'etat at the end, just at the tail end of last month, uh, a reason for which uh, we have uh, all of these meetings happening. Now, the last meeting or summit of the ECOWAS leaders uh, actually happened in Abuja. Now, after that meeting, the heads of states actually decided uh, to operationalize, or if, if we could use that word, activate an ECOWAS standby force. That, that was the basic decision of the leaders of the West Africa sub-region. Subsequent to that, uh, we know that ECOWAS formed a committee of chiefs of defense staff who will now look at the operational methods that will be used by the sub-regional body in terms of the deployment methods, what should be done, and how that can be approached from a technical point of view. It's the reason for which we are at Burma Camp today. Uh, you, we saw the likes of the Defence Minister, Dominic Nitiu. Uh, we had uh, the Chief of Defence Staff for the Committee of West African States, uh, the Chief of Defence Staff for the Republic of Nigeria, joining uh, the meeting which, which, which is underway here at uh, Burma Camp General Body ECOWAS. There's also the bigger question about the UN Security Council decision as to whether or not the sub-region has any form of backing from from the UN um, Security Council. That question came up, and the simple response from the sub-regional body ECOWAS is that, look, we don't need the uh, you know decision or tacit approval or express permission from the United Nations Security Council. All we need is to ensure, first of all, uh, that we 
deploy, and I'm speaking from the position of the Economic Community of West African States, when the deployment is done, whatever briefing that needs to be given to the UN about the situation and why the West African leaders are going in will be furnished to the United Nations. However, being a group of sovereign countries, there's absolutely no need for any form of deployment. So we'll be getting to Ambassador Fatel shortly just to get some um, briefing on what the next steps are, what the way is, and how we can actually deal uh, with the situation now and what the meeting entails for today, because that's crucial. After today, we know that the uh, chiefs of defense staff will round off their meeting tomorrow and will communicate to the world what the next line of action will be. There's a question about the Republic of Ghana as well and what the Republic of Ghana will do in terms of our position. Are we committing our troops? Are we contributing troops? Are we going to deploy uh, our forces to be part of this uh, sub-regional body? Knowing that countries such as Cape Verde, Cape Verde, for instance, opted out and did not attend the meeting for today. So is the reason for which uh, all of these discussions are going right here, going on right here, at the uh, Burma Hall, uh, at the military headquarters, where, we, of course, we're, we're coming to you live from. Uh, let's uh, try and engage Ambassador um, Musa Fatal. Uh, we'll be engaging him shortly. He'll just uh, walk into the shots, obviously, because of uh, the situation we have uh, in, in the day. We know uh, that, obviously, there's a need for us to get a, a brief word from him. So, Ambassador uh, Musa will, will join us shortly uh, for us to get a, a brief word from him. Uh, Ambassador, thank you for joining us on the Journey Channel. You could just uh, come closer so yeah. we, we have a word. We know that uh, the security chiefs, you're having your meeting today. Uh, first of all, your impression about the engagements that, that, that have transpired in the first hour of the meeting oh the the, the, the this meeting yes. I mean you could see determination you could see unity of purpose among our uh, military chiefs yeah the chiefs of defense staff all very determined you know and they are just putting the final touches to their operational plans and then get our troops ready this is more or less a bit like a, a pledging uh, what is the meeting? Because the concept of operation is already ready. It's ready. Uh, all the factors have been taken into account. What are the potential obstacles? How to overcome them? All these were taken into account in the planning session. Right. So this meeting is just to, you know, refine uh, what we have while preparing for possible intervention. And uh, my interaction with the chiefs of defense staff, of course, of all the members that are here, you know, was that they are all determined. You determined know, to go, determined and the question to, is when? The, not when, I'm not going to tell you, because that's a, that's, no, I'm not, because that's an operational secret. When you tell them we are going to start marching tomorrow, then you give them uh, advance notice, you know, to defend. You know, so we know when the military could go in. Uh -huh, and up till now, there are diplomatic overtures from ECOWAS, from other, uh, what is it, um, uh, whaling partners and others. We are giving diplomacy maximum opportunity, you know, to succeed. What we are saying is that if that fails, there is this other option. You know, and this is what we are doing. And we are not letting off, uh, despite the fake news and then the misinformation. And I believe the fake news you're talking about is the fact that you do not have African Union support and the support from uh, the United Nations, correct? That is all, uh, with African Union, that is also fake news. Has anybody read the communique of the African Union Peace and Security Council? I was there, participated. 
you know, in it. What you are hearing. Yeah, of course, when you have a situation like this, you are going to have different opinions. What matters is what comes out of the communique. So everybody should wait for the communique. And then you realize that uh, the African Union Peace and Security Council supports all the measures being taken by uh, ECOWAS to restore constitutional order. They've condemned it, and many of them are even calling for the suspension of Niger. Ambassador Fatou, are you mindful of the possible implication for the Saab region? Mali, Burkina Faso have said that they would, you know, support the Nigerian junta if you decide to go in. Are you mindful that of a possibility of a full-blown war? We are very mindful of that. And in the planning phase, all these factors were taken into account. I can tell you confidently, you know, that uh, this... Uh, ECOWAS standby for troops are ready to take on all comers. This is what I will tell you. And that uh, the threats or whatever by Burkina Faso, Mali have all been taken on board. Yeah. And. Uh, Why not dialogue? Dialogue? Yeah. The dial uh, who is closing the door? Probably, I, well, it, it could it be ECOWAS. No, no, it is them. Uh, listen, just a few days back, we were planning ECOWAS AU UN mission to go and meet them. They shut the door on us, saying they are not ready to receive the mission. You're setting about that report. Which one? That, that they shut their doors because the word you used in your communique was that you were repelled. Those the mission was repelled. Exactly. Is that the true account of what? That that the true account. We were going, and they said they were not ready to receive were, were you us. Part of this mission. I was. I was part of it. Secondly, before even then. Yes. Uh, the chair of the ECOWAS Authority, President uh, Ahmed Bola Tinubu of Nigeria, also despite the former head of state, General Abdul Salami Abu Bakar, with the Sultan of Sokoto, to go also and talk to them. They confined them to the airport. They confined them to the airport. They didn't allow them citing so-called explosive security situation in town, which is all false. All right. So, so we have been extending the hand of dialogue you know to them they are rejecting it okay recently they've said they are ready to talk they say they are ready to talk and then the next day they charge president bazoom who has been under their uh, what is it uh, uh, yeah confinement as a hostage charging him with a high treason you know and yeah somebody that uh, you you've arrested kept uh, you know in detention for how many weeks it's now that you are finding high treason against him you know so these guys are making up you know uh, justifications for the coup as they go along and they will soon run out of excuses you know so that is it so we have not shut the door to dialogue ECOWAS is ready to dialogue yeah, but also we are not going to have an elastic... Okay, dialogue. I'll ask you shortly about the criticisms that you're being used, quote-unquote, by some other external forces. But the, the fear is that you're radicalizing this military uh, team, mm -hmm. the fact that the life of President Mohamed uh, Bazoum and his family is at risk. The, the more you radicalize them, yeah. anything else could happen. Well, uh, we have said we are going to hold the janta responsible if anything, anything untoward happens to uh, to undermine the physical integrity the security the safety of Mohamed Bazoum and his family 
they will pay dearly. And dearly here means? Well, uh, I'm not going to spell out you how they are. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm not going to spell out what, what will happen to them. But what I'm telling you is that there is a lot of fake news, you know, around, right? Uh, this is like Equas is being used. Did uh, France uh, or the U.S. or anybody uh, script our protocols for us? Well, well, the reason why some have that perception is because just yesterday we were... Um, interacting with our partners at DW. The indication is that, for instance, the German uh, Minister for Development and Cooperation will be in Abuja. Uh, she is chairing the Sahel Committee, which obviously has some French elements in there. Concerns about yeah. how we are making the Saab region now a playground for a proxy war yes. between you know, the, the, the superpowers. Yeah. Do we have the capacity uh, to go in fully? We have the capacity to go in. That's number one. Number two, what baffles me is that those who are talking about uh, what is it? Equa uh, uh, being teleguided by the West are those who are also promoting Russia. Okay, in the same the same people are those who see Russians as saviors. So when will Africa find saviors among themselves instead of always looking for external partners, either the uh, China, uh, America? Uh, Russia and other. When are we going to uh, project our own agency? That's the problem. You know, since the 1960s, right, Africa has always been an arena for proxy wars. First between the Soviet Union, China on one side, and then the West. And today, we are in a multipolar environment, and we are running around from the frying pipe pan to the fire. Uh, leave the Americans, leave the French, uh, now the Russians are the saviors. The, the, the Chinese are the saviors. The Turks are the saviors. We have got all these forces in the region. Uh, all those who have Africa at heart, right, should try to generate internal resistance to all these and not to oppose one and then be welcoming the other on the other are not receiving funds from the west from the french or we are not receiving nothing zero we are not receiving anything the heads of state have said we are going into uh, niger if need be with our own resources finally uh, the u.n security council um, you know uh, backing it's very necessary for you knowing that you know the world is also watching what's happening do you do you feel that that you've you flouted that protocol? The need to you know okay. ensure that yeah. you work together with the United Nations. When was the when did the Security Council last have unanimity? Maybe because of the among, geopolitics. Among so you may not have because of geopolitics. So it is obvious that uh, even if you are going to talk about climate change, there will be a P5 member who will veto it. Much less this situation. Multilateralism is dead. We are in a world of multipolarity. The Security Council will never be unanimous, and you just need the veto of one of the five powers, okay? Permanent members, and then it is dead. Why waste your time? We have received the support of the United Nations Secretariat. The Secretary General has severally backed what Ekoas is doing. He has called for the release of Bazoum. He has condemned his detention and all that. For us, that is more than enough. Okay. So finally, what message do you have for the people of Ghana, some who are anxious that the, the, the region may be destabilized? Yeah. Uh, look, fellow Ghanaians, I am a Ghanaian myself, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, so this is it. You see, uh, we are talking about... Uh, if we don't go in, if they refuse dialogue, 
what I would say to fellow Ghanaians is that the situation there will be worse than it is currently. There are already internal fishes that we are picking up. Okay, a, a country like Niger that re, uh, sort of managed their diversity very well in the past, particularly the Tuaregs question. Today, they are saying that we, the Tuaregs and the Arab, yeah, the majority who are the Hausa, the Kanuri, the Jerma, are now uh, denying us the ability also to contribute to nation building through leadership. And already there are past guerrilla leaders okay uh, who are mobilizing against this janta you know so not uh, not everything is uh, okay even within the country forget about what we hear there isn't that unity and the thing is that those who are fearing uh, the, the consequences of a possible military intervention should exert pressure on the janta to go for the peaceful option Equus has not closed that door. This is what I repeat all the time. We haven't closed the door, but people concentrate all their comments on the military option. They are not talking about all the other options that are on the table. Okay, so this is this is what I We're tell grateful. You. Definitely the meeting will wrap up tomorrow. Grateful for your okay. time. Thank you uh, for joining us. And that's uh, Ambassador uh, Fatal Musa, who's the uh, Commissioner for the uh, ECOWAS. Uh, that's uh, the, the Secretariat the, in charge of um, you know political affairs uh, at ECOWAS. And it's uh, our way of wrapping up here uh, from the military headquarters, Burma Camp, where that meeting is still underway. We're hoping that by the end of tomorrow there'll be consensus and we'll hear collectively uh, from the Committee of Chiefs of Defense that who would wrap up and communicate to West Africa uh, the modus operandi of that ECOA standby force that will be uh, restoring constitutional order in Asia. Blessed Sugan reporting for Joy News, Bemakam, Accra. something happens, you want to know all about it immediately. Here at Joy News, we don't just bring you the breaking stories. We go beyond them to bring you the intricate issues in those developing stories. We are relentless in our probe, detailed in our search, and our commitment to be your most credible news source is one that you can trust, because news is all about you. Joy News, credible, independent, and fearless.
I'm Elias Yusuf Baba. I am from Dondoli community, a suburb of one municipal in Upper West region of Ghana. I was born in the post-independent era, a distinguished personality, a social entrepreneur, an Islamic influencer, a politician, and a farmer. A chunk of my life has been directed to helping the mental challenge people in Upper West region by way of, you know, impacting their lives, helping and assisting them, bathing them, feeding, clothing, and medicate them through regional psychiatric units. I, I almost go around almost every fortnight, bring them together, bath them, feed them, and clothe them. And after all, I invite the municipal hospital to come and screen them. Apart from that, I've given almost all of them a health insurance. Just to make sure that when they are sick, I take them to the hospital. My motivation is whenever I ask myself the purpose of my life. That motivated me more to go into this. Because I ask myself, what am I here for? Apart from service to God, what is the other thing that I can do to impact somebody's lives? When I ask myself such a question, it gives me more hope to go into such a venture. We have been doing this for almost 17 years. We started as a volunteer group in 2007 and had our formal, formal and legal registration as an NGO in 2010. There are more than 200, 300 people as, you know, because uh, they are not stable, people used to come and go. But at least, as we are speaking now, in one municipal alone, we had about 47 people, 47 registered people. But those people who pass through Bahas Foundation are more than 200 people. Bay News is a very big and a large platform which everybody would like to feature on. And I know this thing, inshallah, it will bring hope and it will bring a lot of investors, a lot of uh, uh, benevolent uh, investors to come to our aid, you know, to push our initiative for the mental home we are trying to build in Upper West region. Thanks for joining us on Focus on Africa. I'm Waihiga Mwaura. This is a covert operation on the hunt to catch a criminal. We've been here for nearly a week and this camp seems to grow every day. The nightmare of hyperinflation has haunted Zimbabwe for over 20 years now. Why is racism seemingly such a hard nut to crack for La Liga? I think they are the first to say that they, they, they have not done enough. Now to a new bill that could change the lives of African students in the United Kingdom, but not for the better. Well, joining me now in studio is Anita Nkonga, the BBC's youth reporter. I imagine there have been quite some reactions to that announcement by the UK government. Yes, a whole bunch of mixed reactions. For months, I've been investigating a form of blackmail that has become so prevalent in Nigeria that it's got its own name. Keto. How widespread would you say 
this blackmail phenomenon known as Keto is in Nigeria? Every week they get about 20 to 30 uh, reports of uh, cases of people saying that they uh, either were close to be blackmailed. The BBC's Umaru Fofana is in Freetown. Hardly would anybody have predicted that in our lifetime we would see it lying down like this. Climate change is here and it's telling us it is here. We have to change our ways or it is going to teach us a lot of lessons. The Adventure Living Water Expedition is a research expedition and also a swim to draw attention to the influx of textiles to Ghana, specifically secondhand clothing waste. What can the citizens themselves do to protect themselves? So look at how you can empower the health sector, education and agriculture and the water sector. It is not that Spain is a racist country, but that they acknowledge that there is a problem of education that must be dealt with. The BBC's Nyasha Michelle has been talking to the British actress and finding out more about the show. What would you say to those who are saying it's pushing a particular Afrocentrism narrative? Why, if there's a possibility that she might have been of biracial heritage, she can't be played by an actress of biracial heritage? From me and the rest of the Focus on Africa team, it's goodbye. We used to have a mosque at uh, Accra, the Rollins Park, which it was demolished and this is the replacement of the land. It's about four acres. With the will of Allah, the Turkish NGO came in to support us to be where we are today. I feel very honored, like praying here 
in a national mosque. It's a symbol for unity. It's a coming together of Muslims here as one. This is my first time coming here. Oh, I've been I've been seeing the pictures around and then people telling me about here but I've not been here before. So today actually being my first time. So nice. The place is very, very beautiful. It's very beautiful. Then the wardings like they are welcoming. They are so like cool. They talk to you nicely with respect. Yeah, the place is actually nice. It's very nice, comfortable. Yeah. This place is a tourist attraction place. Anybody, whether you're a Muslim or you're a Christian, you are free to come to visit the place to see the wonderful architectural work that they have, been, they have done here, to see a place, such a beautiful place like this. It's a beautiful time to talk showbiz here on Joy News. My name is Becky. Uh, today is very special because you don't always have superstars passing through. So today I have one superstar, you know, coming all the way from Nigeria. He's called Praise. I'm sure you've heard about him before because he's collaborated with some of Ghana's finest, obviously, Stoneboy, Sakodie, to mention a few. Uh, he's in the country. He has some few things doing, some music video coming up with one uh, rapper, you know, one of our best rappers here in Ghana. And so Praise joins me to talk entertainment. Hello Hi. to you. Hi, Becky. How are you? Fine, thank you. The name is Praise... Ubedi Adejo. Ubedi Adejo. That's a strong name, right? My name is Rebecca Dako Trenivoa. Say that. Rebecca Dake Chinibua. Mm. Obviously, I can't mention your name. You can't mention your name. Let's move on. You're, you're welcome to Ghana. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it feels good to be back home. Yeah. Ghana's like it's my second, second home. home. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, a, lot, a lot of times people don't know I'm here, but my friends know when I come. Mm -hmm. I love it here. It's really calm. Yeah. You know, great vibes. 
So yeah. The number of uh, you know us, our brothers and sisters I spoke to yeah. from Nigeria. Yeah. They tell me, oh, Ghana is calm. Ghana yeah. is like my second home. Yeah. Are you sure Ghana is your second home? Yeah. What What makes Ghana so different and so soothing that, I mean, you keep coming back? Well, to be honest, um, there's a similarity. Actually, it's an irony. Mm -hmm. There's a similarity between Ghana and Nigeria. Okay. And a big difference. It feels like Nigeria, but it's just very calm. It's calmer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just our, our country don't be calm, <laughs> you know. But yeah. I good to see you. Uh, this is my first time. Uh, let's let's talk about you know after Project Fame and, oh, and all yeah. of that's, that's yeah. a very long time yeah. ago. Actually, Project Fame is the reason why a lot of people got to know you yeah. as a musician. Uh, tell me about the journey. Um, so I was on Project Fame West Africa, the Made in Edition in okay. two thousand and eight. Yeah. Which had um, Ni, I'm sure you know yeah, from Ni Ghana. from yeah, yeah. Um, Kojo, who, who is called KJ Live or something mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and um, well, I actually didn't think I wanted to do music, I wanted to play football. You know, I was going to ask, <laughs> has it always been music all yeah. this while? Um, I wanted to play football, uh, but I've always had love for music. I played drums, I played okay. drums in church. Okay. And um, when I was going into the university, that waiting period, I was always in the studio chilling with my friend who's a producer. Okay. I play the drums. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll play drums for live recordings. Yeah. And my love and interest for music just kept going. So yeah, we kept pushing, kept pushing, and I produced for people. One day I decided to say, oh, let me see what it feels like to be behind the booth. Okay. So I produced, I made a beat, and I recorded myself. Okay. And yeah, I played to my friends and they're like, yo, praise, you can sing. Mm. I think you should do more of this. I was like, okay. Well, in my head, football was still there. Did <laughs> you, have you ever, you know, done football? Yeah, yeah, the... yeah, yeah, yeah. I played, like, I played, I played grassroots football. Okay. Um, one of, actually, a couple of the stars, the Super Eagles, past and present, used to be like, my teammates. Oh, yeah, interesting. So like, yeah, like I used to play football, football. Like music <laughs> one, then. Yeah, music one. So, um, a friend of mine convinced me to go for um, singing reality shows. Okay. I tried everyone that happened in Nigeria, Ten but I didn't make any headway. I mean, meanwhile, your friends keep telling you, "Yo, you you're can good. sing. Yeah, you're good." I was like, I, I was really discouraged. Okay. Then. My friend again said, I know you're, you, you don't want to even do this because mm -hmm. of your past experiences. Yeah. But I think you should just give this one one more try. So I reluctantly applied for Project Fame in okay. 2008. And I got into the house, got to the final, came third. third yeah. And I mean, for me, I think that was the beginning of the music journey, journey. mainstream yeah. for me. And, and how, how has that been like for you when you finally got into mainstream? Because back yeah. uh, in the house, mm -hmm. uh, Project Fame House, was just, you know, the yeah, reality. Just, but, yeah. but the reality yeah, on no, the ground, yeah. <laughs> how, 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 how has it been so it was, for you? It was really interesting. Because I remember um, after the show, you hear people say, you know, call me, give me a call. Mm -hmm. um, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll get you sorted. Like, you know, people making promises. Promises. And the way he was on the show was different when I came out. Like, I told people, 
when I came out, it was introduction to reality, like you say, like <laughs> the real on, reality. On yo, the ground. Yo. On the ground. So it was totally different. Um, then I realized that, yo, like being in a reality TV show, I mean, it makes you or helps you by cut some things yeah. and helps you quickly build a fan base. Mm. But <laughs> that does not guarantee your entrance into the industry. Mainstream, yeah. You know, so for me, like, after Project Fame, it was a struggle. I had to start. Um, I mean, I went through different situations where mm. my family had one point, my family had some issues. So the money I won, I gave it, like, I just gave it to my family. Like, you know, we needed to sort out things. things. Yeah. So now for me, there was nothing. nothing. I had no resources to create music, had no equipment. So it was a struggle being at a show where people know you mm. and expecting you to move from here to here. But from here, you're coming back Down. here to start again. So it was, it was quite, it was a struggle at some point. But I kept pushing, kept yeah. pushing. And um, I was staying in Kaduna, which is a the northern part of Nigeria. Okay. I told my dad, I was like, that I had to move. Like, I need to go to where the industry is. Exactly. You know, like, I need to, I need to move. He tried to convince me. Uh, I acted like I heard, but one day I just told him that I'm going. Yeah. So I headed to Lagos. It was a struggle. It was a struggle. But we're here today. Yeah, but I mean, we're here. Yeah, how, how many songs, you know, so far? How many Yo, collaborations um, do you remember? Um... I mean, I can tell my, you my, the my catalog will release songs. My catalog should be nothing less than nothing less than seventy songs. Okay. Yeah. Seventy songs. Yeah. That, do we have the the new EP? No, no. Yeah, like release. No, release songs. Release songs. Yeah. So that has the Stoneboy collaboration yeah. and and the Sarkozy collaboration. Part so that was that. on the King album. That was an okay. album I, I put out, um, I think, a year ago. No, no, two, two years ago. So how many albums have you released so far? I put out a double album. Okay. And a normal. So let me just say three albums. Three albums. And two EPs. And, and, and you're coming up with another EP? Yeah, or... another project. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. interesting. I'm actually coming up with two projects this year. Uh, we'll, we'll, get, yeah. we'll, get to talk, <laughs> we'll get to talk more about that, the project. Yeah. But I mean, 70 songs, yeah. three albums, yeah. two EPs. Yeah. I've, released, I've released some singles that didn't make it to the albums the album. and, yeah. and, and the So EPs. if I just correlate songs that I put up, yeah, it amounts to that. That's a lot of songs to choose from yeah, because no. I want to ask you, you know, which one will be your favorite. It's always hard. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, there's always a story yeah. behind each song. Yeah, that's that's what makes you would it, have to select that's, one that's, today. It, it's hard. Yeah, I know. It's, it's over hard. seventy songs. You just have to just pick one. Oh, I was eating banku when oh, I decided it's hard. to it's hard. <laughs> Which one is more like the most emotional one? Um, so I have two, I think two like really emotional songs. Mm -hmm. Um, one. Um, was on my first album. It's called Losing. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, 
you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.